<laughs> we work so hard to get stronger, happier, more productive and successful. Don't forget the secret ingredient. Get grounded in play. Play grounding when it's time to get a life. Hello and welcome to the Playgrounding Podcast. I am your host, Kara Stuart-Fortier, coming to you as always from the Treehouse here at the Brewery Artist Complex in LA. Today, we are returning to our series where we ask the question, can fitness really be fun? Really? We're going to revisit the role of competition in play, which has gotten a pretty bad rap so far on Playgrounding. We're also going to learn what we can accomplish regardless of our age, even if we get a late start into the fitness game. You are going to love our guest this week. It, we have, we are so lucky to have fitness trainer and coach Robin Leggett. She is the host of the Seasoned Athlete Podcast, which I highly recommend. It is your home for stories, inspiration, motivation, training tips, and stories directly from elite athletes from a wide variety of sports who all share one common bond. They are all over 40 years old. And they're on the podcast to prove one story at a time that age does not have to prevent you from achieving bold athletic and fitness goals and living your best life. Robin herself is a, quote, late in life athlete. Um, after spending most of her life as a self-proclaimed music and theater nerd, she discovered the full contact sport of roller derby at the age of 28. Um, that's 10 years after graduating from high school, and it's it's pretty easy to fall into a sedentary lifestyle even when you're young. Um, and she discovered roller derby and it became amazing. Um, she played for 11 years before retiring in 2014. Um, she has now found a new sport to channel her athletic energy, obstacle course racing. She has run nine Spartan races since her first race in December of 2015. She earned her first trifecta in 2016 and has recently begun competing at the elite level. Robin has a goal. It is to podium in the master's division in the coming years sooner if she has any say in the situation. Um, and she has a lot to say on the subject of play. So now, meet Robin. Welcome, Robin. I'm so glad to have you on the Playgrounding podcast. How are you? I'm great. I'm super happy to be here. <laughs> great. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I met you through actually my second interview I think I ever did was Audrey Wood, uh, aka Morning Wood of the Derby Dolls, and she turned me on to your podcast, and I absolutely love it. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Great. Well, so far, we've been starting here on Playgrounding because I do not have an athletic background. Um, but a lot of times when people think of play, it's the first thing that comes to mind is is games, is comp competitive games, playground games, all kinds of games in competition. Um, so I've been taking on finding people like you to explain to me, to help me. I'm actually taking on some fitness challenges myself. Um, and so far, we've talked a lot about physical play, but have really downplayed the competitive aspect of it. And I'm so glad to have you on because you are all about the competitive aspect of play. And I need this to round it out. I know there are a lot of amazing um, human beings out there who think I'm crazy that I don't enjoy competitive play as much, but maybe I just haven't tried it. So <laughs> um, can you tell me a little bit about your podcast and also just some of your background and why you decided to do what you're doing right now? Okay. Um, well, I'll start with my background. Mm -hmm. That might be the, the one explanation that makes the most sense. <laughs> so I also don't have an athletic background. That's that's the funny thing. I'm I'm currently 42 years old, but growing up, I never played sports. I never worked out. I never got into fitness. That It just wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. um, I found fitness to be boring and would often try to do something like I try yoga for a little while until I got bored. Mm -hmm. I try going to the gym for a little while until I got bored. And I just never stuck with anything. And all of that changed when I moved to Los Angeles in 2003. And I moved here not really knowing anybody and not having any friends and feeling very lonely and isolated. Mm -hmm. And so I went online back then and back to, in 2003, Craigslist was the place to look for things to do, Yep, <laughs> <laughs> which sounds kind of crazy now. I but know, exactly. back then, 
you know, that's that's where you went. And mm-hmm. I ended up finding an ad for a roller derby league. Uh, it was the L.A. Derby Dolls. So mm-hmm. I had always enjoyed roller skating um, recreationally around my neighborhood or at roller rinks and loved the idea of roller derby. But, you know, for a long time, it just wasn't a thing that kind of existed. Like it was big, a big deal in the 70s and 80s and then disappeared for a while. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw that ad, it's like, well, what else am I doing? And I've always wanted to try this. And so I went to my first practice and pretty much fell in love right away. And I ended up playing for 11 years. So this was, I was 28 at the time when I went to my first practice, just shy of my 29th birthday Hmm. and found this thing that made me feel amazing. And it created this competitive drive in me that I never, I never knew existed. Really? And uh, yeah. And I think maybe it always did exist. Like I was always super competitive when I played board games and things like that. <laughs> like I'm the type of type of person you don't want to play board games with because I, I get a little too <laughs> aggro about it. That's kind of funny because but... the only other person I know like that is also a roller derby girl. So. <laughs> There's a very specific personality that can translate across multiple platforms. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. sports and athletics. Absolutely. But you do have to have this this competitive drive and energy and you, you this desire to you know be the best you can be at this mm-hmm. thing and because it takes a lot of time and energy yeah. so so yeah i discovered this side of me and discovered this athlete that i never knew existed in me and really enjoyed it and it then it fostered a love for fitness then because i wanted to get better at the sport and the sport i always found really super challenging mm-hmm. throughout the entire 11 years i was playing it i always said that roller derby is the hardest thing i've ever done oh yeah and, yeah and then it made me want to go and work out and train and build my body to get better at this thing because i i just loved it and wanted to be better at it so awesome and and in a way, it was play. Like, yeah, it was work going to practice, but it was also play. It was, you know, we we're playing a game. <laughs> and this game just happened to be highly aggressive and athletic. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So while I was playing roller derby, I had a bit of a career crisis because uh, when I moved to L.A., I didn't know what I was going to do here. I used to be a radio DJ, oh, yeah? like in another life. Yeah. That's great. Um, which will then lend itself to the podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> But, but um, I couldn't get a radio job in L.A. It wasn't really working. And I was just working random jobs. And I just took a moment and said, what what do I want to do? And I realized that I enjoyed training roller derby skaters and helping them get stronger. And I thought, well, what if I became a fitness trainer and ha- trained people that weren't roller derby skaters? Mm-hmm. And so I went back. I found this program at UCLA Extension, this two-year fitness instruction program. Went to that, got my certifications and became a fitness instructor and fitness trainer. And so... Um, and that it played into, you know, I had fallen in love with fitness. I'd fallen in love with activity and I had fallen in love with the idea of learning how to get better at something as a motivator for fitness, mm-hmm. that it didn't have to be mindless reps and it didn't have to be boring. But if, if there was this thing that you just wanted to be better at, yes. you could practice it just like piano, mm-hmm. you know, just like anything that you want to be better at, you practice it. So it's almost, you know, yoga practitioners call what they do a practice, but mm-hmm. that, that really applies to everything, yeah. every fitness. So it's just a matter of getting your mind in this place where it's not just like, Oh, I got to work out. Cause that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Or I have to work out cause I want to lose weight or all these things that are not really super awesome positive motivators. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so so my philosophy is, you know, uh, how can we make it fun? How can we make it uh, revolve around improving on something or, or getting better at something or just being able to do something that you never thought you could do? Mm-hmm. And roller derby applies to that. You know, oh, a yeah. Of, <laughs> a lot of people that played roller derby never thought they could, myself included. So <laughs> it's really, really fun to be able to do something that you never thought you could. So, so yeah, I became a trainer and, and I played roller derby. My, my goal was to play through my 40th birthday and I did. Um, and I retired shortly after my 40th birthday only because, uh, the time there's a, there's a pretty heavy time commitment for roller derby, mostly in the evening. Mm -hmm. And as a fitness trainer, my life 
is mostly in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. uh, it just wasn't really working time-wise for me. And the commute was pretty significant for me as well. So I just made a decision to step away from roller derby. But I wasn't done being competitive. And I mm-hmm. wasn't done being athletic. And I really loved that feeling. Mm-hmm. And so... It took me a little bit of time, but I found a new thing, which was obstacle racing, things like Spartan Race. A lot of people do Tough Mudders, things like that. Mm -hmm. And so once I did my first one, I did it with a group of my boot campers just as a bonding activity. But I just fell in love with it right away. And I just loved that I could go out there. I could get dirty. (laughs) I could climb over walls and crawl under things. And I could be challenged with these obstacles that I may not know how to do when I get there at that race, but Mm -hmm. then I could leave that race saying, okay, well, I failed the rope climb. I failed the monkey bars. So what do I need to do to not do that again? Or what do I need to do to be able to do these things in a future race? And it was just very specific for me Mm -hmm. that I could leave those races, practice those things, go back, be able to do those things and feel really awesome about it. And so I just started getting more and more into those races and I'm still doing them. I did I I think my first Spartan race was December of 2013. No, sorry, December of 2015. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very recent, but I've done 13 since then. So Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it just sounds it. it sounds so amazing. It's like the ultimate playground. <laughs> it is. Wow. I mean, it just it's so reminiscent. You know, I grew up in the 80s Me and too. We didn't have <laughs> We didn't have fancy playgrounds. We nope. had the creek. You know, we'd play in the creek or we'd just climb on random things. And, and most of the playgrounds nothing. they have now, they, we, they wouldn't be allowed. Oh, sorry, the playgrounds we had then, they wouldn't even be allowed oh. to exist anymore. They're probably all too like dangerous. Oh, my God. The, there was a playground at my elementary school. I have to just digress for a second. Yeah. And it was just this gigantic structure with like two towers, really tall towers with slides uh-huh. with tires connecting. So you could kind of climb down the tires and then climb back up the tires. Like it was just like junk and gigantic. (laughs) And I loved that Mm -hmm. thing, but it's gone. Like I went to see my elementary school. That's long gone. Like that's just (laughs) liability city right there. But in the eighties, nobody cared. Nobody cared. (laughs) But yeah, so that's kind of, you know, the obstacle racing thing. Yes, they make it as safe as they can. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, like you're out in the woods and you're climbing over giant walls and, and it's a, there's an element of danger, which makes it fun. Uh And, and that's the whole thing. Like you're out there, you're exercising, you're lifting things, you're carrying things. Sometimes you're kind of suffering, like in the moment, you're kind of suffering when I have to carry a bucket filled with rocks up a giant mountain and back down. Like that's suffering in the moment. But after you're done, after you're done, you're like, that's so fun. I want to do that again. Like this weird (sighs) thing happens in your head. So, um, so yeah, it's, I've, I, and it just, it, it gives you something when you're, when you're working out that it's like, okay, I'm, I am working out because I want to do this awesome thing. Yeah. And it's not just I'm working out because I have to or I should. Yeah. And actually, that's something I've been exploring a lot in the last couple of episodes because I think about it a lot myself. I just started with a trainer again. Um, I've hit some snags in my attempts to get my body back in shape. Um, but is the why aspect, you know, the why am I here? I find it I find it to be incredible drudgery. Um and I've kind of decided, okay, well, I want to, I want to play. I want to be able to play. I know, and I, I did go. Uh, the LA Derby Dolls has what they call Derby Por Vida. Yes, I'm, I teach that class. You teach that class. I might have met I you be- <laughs> there before. Possibly. I went Possibly. the first time very shortly after I had a injury to my big toe, the kind that just does not lend itself to being in Derby Provida for the first time. I, I had to stop to let it heal, and I still haven't signed back up again. But I remember the like, just. My body felt so because I am I'm 42, and I know you say like you know late in life athletes, and I want to get to your podcast, but I just remember doing that and doing what I could that day, and at one point falling so hard, it reminded me of like just dropping your cell phone flat on the table, just whap, you know, and my head was bouncing off the thing, and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm I'm still alive, but I I feel like I need to get in shape to come here and try this again, so I don't feel like such an idiot. <laughs> But it's 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 so amazing. Like the idea, though, that going back means and now I'm going to learn this new skill, you know, and and if I go to the gym to get in shape to be able to do this, I would be doing it for a reason. (laughs) Um, So it really is helpful. 
Yeah. And I, th- speaking of Derby Por Vida, I taught mm-hmm. it for many years. Mm-hmm. I, I don't teach as much now, but I've, I've been teaching in some capacity for about eight years, I think, mm-hmm. uh, Derby Por Vida. And I s- started when the program started and I've had a lot of people come through my class and yes. it's always really interesting because day one, you know, everybody's really freaked out and nervous <laughs> and many of them haven't put on roller skates since their third grade birthday party. And so there's this like voice in their head, like, what am I doing here? This is so dumb. <laughs> you know, I could, I could see it in their eyes. Yeah, and- I was terrified. <laughs> Yeah. And usually the first thing I'll do is get them in a circle and have them introduce themselves um, and talk about their skating background. And even if that's nothing. Mm -hmm. And I want them to hear each other say that because, you know, there's never just one person in the room who hasn't been on skates since they were a kid or has never been on skates. There's always a bunch. And so that's the first thing I like to do is just put them at ease. Like, you know, you're not alone here. It's not (laughs) like you've got a pile of, you know, figure skaters and you're the only one who hasn't been on skates. Most of them haven't been on skates. And then the other thing is just seeing seeing the little light bulbs go off as time goes on Mm -hmm. in that class. Because, yeah, when m- most people come in, they can't really do much and they feel like, like you said, I got to go back and work out to get better at this mm-hmm. or to even do this. But it's like if you just practice, yep. if you just practice this thing, then th- it will happen. You'll get that stop or you'll mm-hmm. you'll be able to turn around or something. There's mm-hmm. just one thing at a time. And I I can't tell you. I mean, uh, Audrey Wood was one of my students at Derby really? Vida. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> Back and now she always had natural talent. I'm sure, of course she did. (laughs) Yeah, but it's like I have watched so many skaters go from Bambi on Ice to All Star Team. Wow, not immediately, but like through the years. Mm -hmm. I I have one skater that came through Derby Por Vida that ended up skating for Team USA Roller Derby, like the, the USA national team. And so it's I I believe in the power of learning. And the, the, the human capacity to adapt and learn. And that's what helps us be able to do these really cool things. Like yeah. use Ninja, Ninja Warrior is a great example of yeah. play fitness. You know, like everything that Ninja Warriors do is really, really hard. Oh, like, my goodness. Yeah. Hard. <laughs> um, I have attempted I have I have been a tester for Ninja Warrior, American Ninja Warrior. And all all I've done is fall in water. Like I'm terrible at all of that stuff. <laughs> but it's also like super fun stuff like yeah. it's swinging on on monkey bars and it's it's all it all harkens back to childhood mm-hmm. um but you know if you don't do a thing since childhood you're not going to be good at it immediately no. you've got to practice it so exactly so yeah but i you know i watch them do stuff and it's like they just look like they're playing all the time Absolutely. and they're really just they're honing their craft and they're practicing mm-hmm. to get better at a skill and they are very driven mm-hmm. to put the time and energy in because they want to be good at what they do but it just at the same time like it just looks like so much fun yeah to do it does and you know and i sometimes yeah. think like as i'm kind of mulling over all of this like i'm learning as i go on these episodes about fitness and also as i'm at the same time i started the i did my first episode on the fitness um series the day I like the week I started back with a trainer and I was like oh my goodness I'm going to be learning as I go here Um, but the thing I keep coming back to when it comes to finding a way to find joy in all of this is that I remember music that I would practice and practice and practice like piano and the oboe and I didn't find it weird how much I hated scales because I knew that I was going to be gaining skills that would make it possible for me to play this beautiful music later, you know, and, but for some reason with fitness, it all just seems so impossible. You know, it's like, oh, I could never do that. And I know I'm not alone, like that there are people, especially my age who are out there who haven't been using our bodies at all, that just, it's such an insurmountable, like mountain of self-doubt and stiffness and soreness and, oh my goodness, I can never get there. And the amount of work it would take will just I can never do it. Um, so I, I love that you have this late in life athlete philosophy. And on your website, um, I love how you say not everyone is a natural born athlete, but that doesn't mean you can't be an athlete. Just because you don't yeah. spend your entire life playing sports doesn't mean you can't conquer mountains, throw yourself over walls and jump fire. And you don't have to slow down just because you reach a certain age like that. I, I just read that and I was like, oh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's not too late for me. <laughs> It's not. No. It's not. And uh, I, and 
that kind of leads to the podcast. I'll, I'll talk about the podcast because there's there's really some great learnings I've gotten out of my podcast oh, that yeah? can apply to your situation. Uh-huh. So so I just started doing a podcast uh, called Seasoned Athlete. Yes. And it's all about athletes that are currently competing at a high level at a variety of sports. And the thing they have in common is that they're all over 40. So that's, those are the, I have two rules for my <laughs> podcast guests. They have to be currently competing and they have to be over 40. Wow. Other than that, and, and, and generally they're, they're competing at a high level at whatever they're doing. Yeah. They don't have to be pros necessarily. Some of the guests I've interviewed are amateurs that mm-hmm. just really love competing and yeah. compete compete at a really high level, but still work day jobs. And, you know, that's roller derby, roller derby, nobody gets paid, but they're all training at a super high level, especially at the all-star level. So, um, and I just wanted to, you know, first of all, I'm a little bit selfish, like (laughs) as an over 40 athlete, like I, I am so inspired by these people and I want to just soak in their wisdom. Mm -hmm. But I, but I also thought that other people could benefit and particularly people who, may not currently be athletic or see themselves as as, as athletic. Mm-hmm. But hearing these stories, what, what I hope is that people might, someone might hear these stories and think, oh, like, maybe I can do this. Maybe, maybe I should sign up for that 5K that I've been thinking about or sign up for that Spartan race that I've been considering doing. Or maybe, maybe I will do that CrossFit competition that I never thought that I'd be ready for. But just, <laughs> just to kind of pursue bold athletic endeavors because I I truly believe that it is possible for anybody and it's definitely possible for people over 40 and you know we don't wither up and die mm-hmm. when we're 40 years old our bodies don't just stop working you mm-hmm. you can you can live a really fruitful athletic life over 40 and it can actually help you feel younger and stay younger and sometimes even look younger and it's really cool so mm-hmm. Something I I hear a lot from my podcast guests. I've interviewed, gosh, I've interviewed. Uh, I interviewed a Spartan Race Pro Team member who's 47 years old. Mm-hmm. I've interviewed a 42 year old Ninja Warrior uh, who was who competed this season. I I interviewed a 66 year old marathon swimmer who has wow. swam the English Channel twice. Oh my gosh! And yeah. she, she's amazing. And she didn't start till she was 46 years old. She was a spectator mom, <laughs> just watching her kids at the pool and. Oh, wow. Brian yeah. Bristol, did you hear that? That's exactly what my friend is trying to figure out how to do. Get parents involved in kids fit <laughs> with their mm-hmm. kids. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a guest that actually she's a speed skater and she started because she was watching her kid at speed skating practice and thought, <sighs> wow, that looks fun. And then she started going to speed skating practice and it's a way it was it became a way for her to spend even more time with her son. That's great. So it's it's really neat. But a lot of them just talk about belief in yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've been learning too. And that it's really easy to let those self-doubt thoughts creep in. And it's really easy for like, for example, for me at an obstacle race to look at an obstacle and be like, oh, I can't do that. <laughs> and if I look at if I look at an obstacle and, and say to myself, I can't do that, you think I'm going to do it? You think <laughs> it's going to happen? No, yeah. I'm going to fail it because I walked into it already assuming that it's something I can't do. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell a story. Um, <laughs> so there was a recent race I monkey bars were something I really struggled with at Spartan races they're they're set up they're very wide bars and I'm short and I have small hands so that was already one strike against me and then they they raise and lower so you have to reach higher and then (gasps) sometimes lower and so just I'm like I'm never gonna be able to reach this like I can't wrap my brain around how to do this (laughs) But I still started practicing grip strength. I started doing this grip strength challenge where I just would hang from a bar every day for more and more time huh. just to get because that's a, that's a thing. Like if you want to do monkey bars, work on your grip strength. Just hang from things. Mm-hmm. That's easy enough to do. Um, so I was doing that every single day. And so my grip strength improved, but I still looked at those monkey bars and doubted myself. Didn't think I'd be able to do it. And I did a race. I think it was uh, – December or January, I did a race with a team and I got on the monkey bars and I got probably three rungs in and fell down, which was still farther than I'd ever gotten. And I was like, okay, I'm pretty happy with that, but you know, it's still a thing I can't do. And then my teammate, my teammate gets up there and she is my height. She's like maybe shorter. She's five foot tall. And she gets on the monkey bars and gets all the way across. Oh, wow. And yeah. And I was like, 
huh, well, she can, if she can do it, why can't I? Like, we're the exact same size. So I, I asked the volunteer. Normally, you only get one shot. But I asked the volunteer. I'm like, can I try again? He said, yeah. And I got on. And I wouldn't you know it, I got all the way across. Wow. And oh, my gosh. Mindset shift. Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't any more trained. If anything, I was more tired. It was just this little mindset shift that, like, I saw her do it. And it's like, well, all the excuses I had for why I can't do it are blown out of the water like she's small she has small hands she has small arms <laughs> yeah. short okay no more excuses and I got up there and, did it, and I've been able to do it every time since that's awesome so there is a lot of power in believing in yourself and that is something my podcast guests tell me time and time again is you know it's all about believing in yourself so wow. you, you it really helps and sometimes it's a it's a mental struggle because you know, we're just conditioned as humans mm-hmm. to doubt ourselves when we try something new or difficult. But if you can go in there and believe that it, you know, believe that it is something you can do mm-hmm. and that you wouldn't be there if it wasn't something you could do, yeah. then, you know, then things can change. And yeah. it's just getting getting out of your head. Mm-hmm. And then that little competitive side of me that looked at her and was like, well, she can do it, you know. <laughs> so it's kind of fun to spark that a little bit. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. And and I have a question and it, it is about mindset and just sort of how we see ourselves. I had someone about who's 10 years younger than me. She's 32 and she's pretty into fitness. And when I was telling her about your podcast and how excited I was, I was going to get to interview you. She just had a very, a question that seemed so odd to me. She said, so what is it about over 40? Why is that a special number? And I kind of just looked at her like, what, what? Well, of course, it's that 40 is just the age when and then I looked at her and I'm like, okay, she's generally generationally maybe thinks differently from me about this thing. And actually made me happy because I thought, okay, if someone who's 32 now doesn't see 40 the same way that I did when I was 32, but maybe that's just me. And so I kind of wanted to ask you this question. What do you think it is about over 40 that makes this the kind of group that you want to make sure you're showcasing in this way? That's a really good question. Um, and I, and, and yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting that she says that. And it's like, hopefully in her mind, mm-hmm. when she turns 40, I, but my, my instinct is to say, wait till she t- turns 40 and she'll understand. <laughs> but what I'm hoping is that when she turns 40, she won't understand. And then mm-hmm. things are better in the world. Yes, absolutely. But, you know, then we know that, that that's a good sign. Yes. But, but there's just this, traditional thing about over 40 like over 40 is over the hill like that's that's your over the hill birthday and Mm -hmm. and your good days are behind you and there's a lot of crisis Mm -hmm. you know that comes with that age that for a lot of people Mm -hmm. and and there's you know there's just that thought that it's like well my body's my body's gonna deteriorate and everything moves slower Mm -hmm. and I'm old like 40 is just for and especially for women I think just Culturally speaking, you know, 40 for a lot of women mm-hmm. is synonymous with old. And it's and also when you stop being potentially able to have children as well. It's like that danger zone decade. Yeah, that they, like, yeah. there are a lot of changes that mm-hmm. can come in the 40s. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and that, I think there's a reason why a lot of sports have master's categories. Master's is often over 40. Oh. And so when it comes to winning awards or things like that, a lot of sports have master's categories. Mm-hmm. And so obviously it is it is big in in the sporting community to show that, you know, at, at 40 and above, you can still kick butt at, at these sports and still really just kill it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I just think it's, I think... You know, if I if I didn't limit it to over 40, I, I think there's a lot of positive messages for a lot of people at a lot of ages. And mm-hmm. I think I think people over 40 and particularly women over 40 just don't have as many options to hear a positive message about health, about fitness, about athleticism. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to make sure that was there. Yeah. Um, especially for it's interesting because my podcast can appeal to men and women for sure absolutely and on my facebook page i'll showcase men and women Mm -hmm. but i i am very connected to women hearing this message because Mm -hmm. i think men can i think a lot of in a lot of circumstances men can still be over 40 and not have this weird 
stigma about what they can do. Like yeah. they still get out there and, and lift weights or play sports or whatever. There's a lot of options. And I want more for women of that age. And I want women over 40, over 50, over 60 to hear this message and just get hammered with this message yeah, yeah. that, that your body and your, your mind, your body and your soul can do so much. And yes. that if you want to do something crazy, bold, crazy athletic, or just be active, like do it, just, mm -hmm. you know, don't, don't question yourself and do it. And there are ways if you want to ease in, you can ease in. Like mm -hmm. if, if you want to run a marathon over 40, you know, do it please. And, and, and you can start, you know, you can start big. Some of my guests started running marathons with a marathon. Like that was their first race. Mm -hmm. Most of us start with a 5k, <laughs> you know, <laughs> start small and build up. That's how I started. Yeah. So, um, but I just, I just want people and particularly women to hear these stories firsthand from mm -hmm. athletes over 40, over 50, over 60. I have someone over 70 that are still doing amazing things because you can, yes. they can, and you can. Yes. So, so yeah, yeah hopefully that answered your friends. Oh, question. absolutely. I mean, and I think too, about just the fact that, you know, when you start talk about late in life, you know, for a lot of people, 10 years more than 10 years out of high school, we get into our sedentary ways. And I know you said you started at 29, um, mm -hmm. just in a job that you were just like, you felt was drudgery and you're just like, I need something. Um, or that, you know, you kind of have had those experiences that a lot of people are experiencing right now um, that, that you're telling people at any age, you can go make this choice. And I think the longer you go in the sedentary lifestyle, the, the harder it is to get up and go. And so to, to tell people over 40, um, to tell me, you know, I, I, I do start to feel like this is probably a fool's errand at this point. And I'm dating. So I'm dating. What am I saying? My husband is eight years younger than me. So I have a little bit of this like, oh, I want to make sure I'm uh, keeping up <laughs> with the, with the he'll, he'd, he'd kill me with the millennials. But no, he, he swears he's not a millennial. He's the Oregon Trail whatever that means. Um, but I was I really, I you know, I didn't know about that. Either. Um, so he has dysentery. Like, <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. It's some kind of video game that I completely yeah. missed. I did. Yeah. I guess that shows me as an Xer or whatever it is that we're supposed to be. Um, but I was really inspired by, I think it's Julie Weiss, um, yes. she, the marathon goddess and just hearing that she started also late in life. I mean, I can't remember how old she was, but just you know, that she ended up running these marathons kind of in memory of her father and now runs them, you know, to help support pancreatic cancer research, that kind of thing. And just she's really developed this into something else. Like her drive is just so beautiful. Um, in one of your episodes, totally go back and listen to all of her episodes. But seriously, this one with marathon goddess Julie Weiss just really touched me. Um, I, yeah, I really love Julie's story. It was mm -hmm. really cool. I'm glad I found her. But yeah, she <laughs> she ended up running 52 marathons in 52 weeks Whew. to raise money for pancreatic cancer after her father passed away from it mm -hmm. and ended up raising over $400,000 in that year. But she made this she just made this commitment. And it's, mm. it goes back to the why, right? Mm -hmm. Like she had a very, very powerful why. Yeah. And that she wanted to do this project to raise money for pancreatic cancer that, so that others wouldn't have to experience what she did. And, um, and, you know, I remember her talking about, you know, the doubts that she had, like, was there ever a point where you wouldn't, didn't think you'd finish? Mm -hmm. And she, she was like, never, I never, ever had a doubt like yes it was a lot of logistics and planning and running it was 52 <laughs> marathons in 52 weeks that's a, a marathon a weekend basically every single year yeah or every single week for a year but she never had a doubt because her why was so strong so it really goes back to that why mm -hmm. um you know having mindless working out is not a why and mm -hmm. so a lot of times when people come to me about help with fitness, mm -hmm. I bring the, I bring the competition in, like not all of us have this, this powerful, you know, as, as powerful as she does. Um, but I, I like to bring in competitive events because it gives you that thing to strive towards and work, work towards. And yeah. this thing that you, you don't think you can do at this moment, but if you get that, if you put in the practice, just like piano, you'll be able to do it and you'll feel amazing for having done it. Yeah. So often I will encourage people to sign up for a 5k or sign up for one of the shorter obstacle races or something that 
that moves them that they'd be into. Um, and then, and then set up the fitness around that as opposed to just, um, like I got to join a gym, I guess. Yeah. Got to Got to get the waist down to that certain measurement or. Yeah. And that's a a tough, that's a tough motivator because Mm -hmm. it, you know, it moves so slowly. It's very dependent on nutrition. And if you, you know, it's very easy to get frustrated with the lack of progress Mm -hmm. in, in, in working out specifically for weight loss. It can be done. And for many people it's worked, but for many other people, that's the reason they stop working out is because they're not seeing the progress. Whereas if you've got a race on your calendar and it's, you paid for it, like (laughs) we often, you know, it's like, if you pay for a race, you're going to do it. So I always tell them, it's like, I'm not going to train you for the hypothetical race. I want you to go out and sign up for one and pay for it. And that way it's on your calendar. We have a timeline and now we can prep you properly for it. And you can, yeah. And you, you have something to, that you're able to track along the way and say like, okay, I, you know, if I'm, if they come to me and they just can't run, it's like, okay, we're going to do like a, a couch to 5k progress program. And you're going to see yourself slowly, but surely being able to run and being able to run longer than you ever thought you could. And that's mm-hmm. really positive. Yeah. And so when you see that progress of, of what you can do, it's really super motivating. So I, I love training people for, building skills and, and for their bodies being able to do new things Mm -hmm. and, and as opposed to looking a certain way or losing Mm -hmm. weight, like the weight loss often will come Mm -hmm. when you're training for a race or, you know, (laughs) something like that. And that's, that makes it even better when it's just like a a side effect of it, you know, but, uh, but it's really just powerful and positive to, to train, to build a skill yeah. and then to go out there and, and do it and get a medal at the end, <laughs> and then often a free beer. And mm-hmm. that's all super fun, you know? Yeah. And I, it's funny because the, 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 I've only really had conversations around fitness at, on this podcast when it comes to kind of the free play thing and, and competitions kind of been not just downplay, but actually seen as a bad thing by some of the people that I've spoken with. And I've, and I relate to them in that sense. I know when I was, although when I was a musician and I was, you know, first chair flute, I was very competitive. And if I knew someone was going to try to beat me, I would do like scales like all day long. Um, But somehow with fitness, it all seemed very like, it's possible for this thing that brings you joy to turn around and become work and become, drudgery because now you're doing it to compete and to win and do you think it's just a personality thing or do you think there's something that is in competition that people are missing because I know there are like that Stuart Brown calls them the play personalities and some people are competitive and some people are aren't um but I kind of want to wanted to put you on the spot to to defend competitiveness in play and competition (laughs) so I have a couple things I can say about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, first thing is that with the kind of competitions I do, mm-hmm. and you know, I started off just running with a team and doing it for fun and working together. And that's that's the fun thing about Spartan races. You can do it and compete at the high level and compete against the best of the best and try and earn prize money. Or you can get a team together and all help each other out. And mm-hmm. and and so that the more competitive side is taken out of that. But when I, when I first started, I didn't immediately think I'm going to go on the competitive track. Mm-hmm. And then the more I did it, it's like, want to be really good at this like mm-hmm. and so I need to put myself in the elite categories and and compete against the best just at the very least to see how I'm doing and and I do that and oftentimes I'm the slower elite and I have to remind myself that I'm still competing at the highest level so yeah, exactly. I should never feel bad about that <laughs> even though you know like I I ran a race in Wisconsin at Lambeau Field uh, a couple weeks ago and I ran my fastest Spartan race yet and I was so excited and then I looked at the standings and I was last place out of the Masters and I'm like oh but I didn't mm-hmm. let it get to me because I knew I was still you know competing against the best and it really showed me what I needed to work on and mm-hmm. that's so I'm trying to keep that kind of I'm trying to keep that mindset and not get lost in in the competitive side but yeah when you do these types of races and if you if you're really in it to win it. Mm-hmm. Um, your number one competitor is yourself. Yes. So, you know, uh, I, I think it's important that it's like you work to be your best self yeah. out there. And it's, it's better to not get hung up in what other people are doing, especially at my level, because oftentimes they're way ahead of me anyway, and I'm <laughs> out there by myself. So, but you know, you just want to, 
you want to do your absolute best and 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 maybe get a personal best out there and and have that have that moment um and then i wanted to you know so so first and foremost yourself and then you know it is it can be fun you know i've done a race where I didn't know where I was in the race, but I kept running into this one woman mm-hmm. towards the end of the race and we were just sort of neck and neck and it gave me that little bit of drive to nice. go faster. It's like, I, I want to get ahead of her and we just <laughs> kept trading. We kept trading places and it was kind of fun. And yeah. I think we both acknowledged that it was really fun to have somebody as, you know, someone to, to play off of mm-hmm. and, and drive drive each of us to work harder, which was, which was cool. That's and, you know, awesome. after the race, we high-fived, we <laughs> cheers, you know. Um, but I, I want to tell a story of an athlete in, in Spartan racing. Her name's mm-hmm. Amelia Boone. Mm-hmm. And she was like one of the first world championship racers. Like she is known as one of the best of the best of the best mm-hmm. in Spartan race. And so she was always an athlete to beat. And then she broke her leg. And Mm -hmm. had to stop for over a year. And she just started coming back to racing this year. And I read a long Facebook post from her that talked about a change in her mindset. And so she said for a long time, she was just really caught up in the competition and winning and the work, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the work that went into it. And she has sponsors. So pleasing her sponsors and all, all of that side of it. And she lost some of the fun. And so... Then she took time off. She broke her leg. She couldn't compete, but she still went to the races, mm-hmm. still met people, you know, high, gave high fives, encouraged people, just immersed herself in the community and was having a lot of fun with it. And so she said when she she came back, uh, one of the best things that someone told her before a race was not good luck, but have fun. <laughs> oh. And yeah. And so now she says, it's like, if you ever see me at a race, don't tell me good luck. Tell me have fun. And yeah, and I, I, that really like, that's really resonated with me because like, that's what I want to hear too. Mm -hmm. I don't care how hard I'm working out there. I don't care how much I'm competing. Tell me to have fun. Mm -hmm. And because like, I, I want to leave that race no matter how I do smiling. And so that's, I think that's just so important. And it's something that in roller derby, there was a lot of ebb and flow with, with that for me being in roller derby for 11 years, there were times where I wasn't having fun. Mm -hmm. And then there were other times that it was. And so you have to remember why you got involved with whatever this thing is you're doing. Like nobody, nobody starts playing a sport at age 28 because you know, they were, they were what, you know, like, okay, let me state this another way. Certain people, certain people were groomed to play a sport their whole life. Yes, yes, yes. And, and, they may never have had fun in that sport or they mm-hmm. may have lost the fun years ago. But if you start a sport at age 28 or at age 42 or whatever, you weren't groomed to play that sport. There's no, there's nothing telling you to play that sport other than you want to, Yeah. you know? And so I think it's important even when being competitive and I think it's great to be competitive. I think it's great to, to put yourself out there in that way and pr- push yourself. But I think it's important to remember why you're, why you did it in the first place and the fun of it. Absolutely. And, yeah, something I really love about obstacle racing, it's the same as roller derby. Like we would get out there and we would play our hearts out in roller derby and we were enemies on the track against, <laughs> you know, the other team. Like it would be brutal. And then at the end of the day, we all go out and have drinks together yep. and we're all good friends. And I think it's similar in obstacle racing. Like everybody's super nice. Like even on the course when I'm running elite and I'm out there by myself, mm-hmm. my competitors are cheering me on if they see me struggling to get over a wall. Like mm-hmm. That attitude is awesome in competition. Yeah, totally. And so I think it's just finding finding that mm-hmm. is really important and remembering to have fun. And finding community, especially if you're starting a sport at, you know, 28, 38, 48, you know, it better be something you really want. And I feel like at, at a certain point, our communities start to dwindle to the people at work. And now if I don't have this job tomorrow, I probably will lose touch with a lot of those people or the people in like the PTA or, or whatever, wherever you happen to have to be. But when you choose a community like roller derby, like Spartan racing, when you're a, you're drawn together with people around something enjoyable and fun that you just love to do. And what, even if it's competitive, it sounds like the communities, like just hearing about Spartan racing on your podcast and, oh, excuse me, uh, American Ninja Warrior, Spartan racing, all these things. Both, both, yeah. Like all of, the, all of these types of very competitive things have a huge sense of camaraderie and friendship and deep friendships develop out of these things. 
So. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely for sure. And I, I think that's a huge draw. I mean, I'm, I'm an independent trainer. I run my own business. I work at home. I work alone. Mm-hmm. So I don't even have coworkers. I'm in the same uh, boat. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, if it wasn't for, you know, my roller derby friends mm-hmm. or my Spartan race friends or my gym friends, you know, these are the people that I get to talk to face to face and get to see face to face. And, and we do share this common bond over this really cool, fun activity. That's also healthy. Like we, we can, it's, it's a great, it's great to have a community that's also a healthy community and a positive force in your life. So I think it's really great to have that. And that helps make it fun too. And, you know, I'll be out on a Spartan race course and strangers will cheer me on. Like that's how great (laughs) that is. Like strangers will offer to offer to help me over a wall or just high five me and say, you know, good job Spartan. And (laughs) it's, it's really cool. So I, you know, I think that's, and yet they're all out there busting their butts, working as hard as they can, trying to improve upon the last race yep. and and be the best version of themselves. And Absolutely. so, yeah, it's cool. And I think like, I just kind of want to like before I find out, because I really want to know where people can find you and get more information on what you're up to right now. But I kind of want to just steal a quote out of your podcast that I heard that has stuck with me so much. It was and it's obstacle racing. It's if you stare at a obstacle or wait, wait. Ah, I can't remember what it was exactly. It's but you're not going to be able to get over an obstacle by staring at it. Yes. Um, and I feel like that's the way a lot of people see their fitness and their bodies. And you think about it all the time, but you never do anything because it just sounds like it's insurmountable that this obstacle is not something that is possible for me to to go from not even being able to touch my toes to, you know, jumping over a log or climbing a wall. Um, but if we sit and sit around and think about it, the thing we have to do is just get up out of our chairs and go. Um, and I, you can tell me who that quote was so I can make sure. I think it was I think it was episode well, two. <laughs> it was probably the Heather Goldnick episode, but I don't think she said it. She said something similar, but it was actually a quote um, I heard from my friend Heather Bodie okay. and who also has her own podcast called Overcome and Run. I'll go oh, ahead and plug cool. that. Absolutely. All about obstacle racing. But uh, I think she and she probably heard it from someone else. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just been passed down but because in, in the context of obstacle racing, it's about going up to an obstacle and then standing and thinking about it for, for a minute before doing it. Uh-huh. And I've done that a million times. But <laughs> the, the purpose is when you get to that obstacle, just go right into it mm-hmm. because you're not going to get better by staring at it. But it's it's got such a wide range of appeal and it reminds me of uh, in roller derby at the derby por vita class I, I would always tell people to stop thinking and just do it yeah and often that applied to turning around and skating backwards because <laughs> if you're a beginner skater and, and we would do this in week three of derby por vita class uh-huh. i'd be telling people to turn around and skate backwards and they'd freak out They're like i have i could barely stand up on my skates and you're telling me to skate backwards and so you know, when I do the drill, I'd blow the whistle and there would be like maybe a three count, one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand. And then they attempt to turn around and it's like, nope, that's your brain mm-hmm. telling you all the reasons why you shouldn't be doing this crazy thing right now. <laughs> and you need to not allow your brain to do that. <laughs> so when I blow the whistle, you just do something. Yep. And if that something means you're falling on your butt, at least you're doing something. And the more you do that something, the more likely it'll be that you'll actually turn around and go backwards on one of those attempts. But if you think about it, uh, it's not going to happen because it's just our heads like to mess with us. So (laughs) yeah, that applies to fitness. Just don't think about it. Just, just do it. Do it. Get out there. Sign up for that race. Yeah. Join that gym, whatever. People are there to help you Mm -hmm. and you're not alone. There's a million people in your position right Mm -hmm. now, but you're not going to fix the problem that you likely have by by staring at it or thinking about it Absolutely. the only thing you can do is just do it just mm-hmm. get out there and do it and you think everybody else is staring at you and thinking about you as much as you are and they're not they really are no <laughs> just, they're no, all they're the all same dealing, <laughs> they're all dealing with their own crap absolutely so, so it's funny. everybody's what is, got those voices in their head yeah and so yeah they're not staring at you if anything they're stoked for you absolutely. you know they're excited that you're that you're out there pushing yourself and challenging yourself that's great so what so if there is someone out there who is sitting in their sedentary job that hasn't really moved much for a while or is just kind of looking for something to dip their toe in. I know you are, you have your own training group classes and, and personal training. Um, how yeah. would someone? So, 
Uh, they can go to robinleggett.com. Mm-hmm. So it's R-O-B-I-N-L-E-G-A-T.com. Mm-hmm. That's my website. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you go to robinleggett.com slash train, it shows my classes. My primary class is uh, an outdoor group fitness program in Santa Monica, mm-hmm. uh, based out of the airport park in Santa Monica. I've been doing that for over two years. Mm-hmm. I have a really awesome group of people uh, there that are super fun, super supportive, and have been there almost the whole time. Mm-hmm. And we we have a lot of fun. We work hard, but sometimes we play games too. You know, we'll play boot camp monopoly or skee ball. I think I'm doing skee ball this awesome. weekend. I love skee ball. Um, yeah. So I get three big hoops out, and I have a tennis ball, and you have to roll it into the hoops, and that'll determine how many reps you end up doing. So. <laughs> You want to get it into the the hoop with the least amount of reps. That's awesome. <laughs> Which I always make fun of them. It's like, you came here to work out, but yeah. yet you want to do the least amount of reps. What's happening? But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, sometimes we'll do that. But then we'll, you know, I'll always try and encourage them to sign up for a race with me. We're running a race together later this summer. Um so, so yeah, so that's, that's Monday, Wednesday, Friday mornings. And then I'll have events, you know, one-off events and other programs that I'm working on as well. And you can contact me at any time with questions, Robin at robinleggett.com. So R-O-B-I-N-L-E-G-A-T. So yeah, you can email me with questions, anything like that please reach out. And then my podcast, I would love for people to listen to my podcast. So that's uh, seasonedathlete.me. Mm-hmm. And I say dot me because I am a seasoned athlete and so are you. So <laughs> uh, just remember that seasoned athlete dot me. All the episodes are on there. Uh, show notes for every guest. And I also um, am looking for people for my everyday seasoned athlete segment. So that segment's about people who are over 40 who are at any level mm-hmm. of fitness or athleticism. So maybe you just ran your first race or, or you're, you know, you've been running for a year or so and you're trying to move up into, you know, the age group award categories or, you know, you could be doing anything or, you know, you you had trouble losing weight, but then you started doing Spartan races and all of a sudden you were able to lose 50 pounds, whatever that is, everyday stories from everyday people who are doing really awesome athletic things at any level. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's through the seasonedathlete.me website. I believe it's seasonedathlete.me slash every day. You can submit yourself Ooh. to be featured on the podcast. So nice. it's really cool. It's just a short segment, but it's really cool to be able to feature more people and tell more stories. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. That's that's really exciting. And yeah, I've been listening. I really love it. And you can definitely tell you've been in radio. You have the, the best rapport. I, I work really hard to try to have that kind of... <laughs> Oh, it's man. nice to be able to, you know, stretch that muscle again. Yeah, it's been it's... A I haven't been in radio since uh, the early 2000s. And so it's just nice to be able to to do that again. And, yeah. and, and you know, you get it. Just mm-hmm. practice interviewing people. It's really yep. fun. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate your time. You having me on. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. So get out there and play. Thanks for joining us on the Playgrounding Podcast. Doesn't that conversation make you want to get out get moving? Well, if you want to stay inspired while you're out there working out, go subscribe to Robin's podcast, The Seasoned Athlete. It's guaranteed to keep you motivated. Join us next week for another conversation about the role of play in our political lives, the power of play to disrupt. You don't want to miss it. Until we meet again, have a playful week.